Oh, I, I was telling Deborah Ann this evening because the last years or so, few years, I have just been so grateful. I've just been meditating on how good he is to me personally. He's good. He's good, but a lot of people don't know it. And I am just, I am just the happiest camper on the planet, y'all. I'm just, the Lord is, I, I came this close to being a deacon in a denominational church and being a West Texas farmer. And I am so glad I didn't waste my life doing all that. Not saying that's a waste, but for me, I'd have missed it. And I just want to encourage y'all to lift up your hearts and be thankful. Because it can slip away. You can get so used to the American prosperity. And even though there's people having nervous breakdowns in America, you know, they, you, you take on whatever your surroundings are. So, you know, our troubles are no troubles. Sometimes when they show those veteran commercials on there, the wounded warrior and stuff, the other night we backed it up and that guy was in the wheelchair. He didn't have any legs. He only had a right arm, you know, and you just go, we don't have any troubles. We, we're good. We're good. And then, like I said, my family right now seems to be, we don't know for sure, but uh, seems to be battling the pandemic thing, whatever. Uh, my dad's going to be 90 in December, so it's just, it's just stress all around us. But our job is just to keep our eyes on Jesus. It's not to say, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? We're not going to do anything. We're just going to keep our eyes on Jesus and his people hear his voice. We're fine. We're fine. And always remember, it's never a downside to go to heaven. I mean, it's just there's never a downside. So if, if that's true, there's no downside. We want, well, of course we want. We, we want what we want, and we want people, and certainly we want ourselves. But just don't get caught up in to say, oh, this would be terrible. You're just wrong. Going to heaven would be wonderful. And I'm going to teach on that. So uh, River Church, we want to host a move of God. Could I have a better amen? We want to host a move of God. I don't know what that means. I don't know. Maybe you do. You can share with me. I don't know what that looks like. You know, I heard someone praying the other day. They were wanting a move of God. And they said, uh, you know, the glitter and the gold and the glory coming down and everything. Well, yay. But they've been having that in church services for a while. So maybe that's a move of God. Or people getting healed. They're dragging people in that don't have arms and legs. And boom, they pop out and they grow out and you go, ah, that's a move of God. Absolutely. I mean, if it lasts more than one service. And we're not looking for something, a one night stand thing. We're not looking at, at a one and done. We're looking at something that's beyond what almost all cultures of revival. We're looking for longevity that when we get caught up, hallelujah, just think about that. Just think about that. Boom, in the twinkling of an eye. You don't even have time to look around and see what you left. It's, uh, it's glorious. But until that moment, it's, it's glorious. It's supposed to be heaven, days of heaven here on earth. So uh, our vision at River Church, just so you'll stay on with me, is to be available to host whatever he's got. Well, I, I don't even, like I said, I don't know. I, I, I can imagine... The gold would fall. The dust would fall. I can imagine that uh, people would be prophesying day and night and, and being translated. All these things that are supernatural. Well, yay, I, I'm in. But I can't tell you that we're pressing for any one of those things specifically and saying, Lord, we want this. We want the gold. We want this, that, and the other. 
I just want to host a move of God. And I want it to be His move. I want Him to come on us and say, I'm doing this for your city. I'm doing this for Alabama. Whatever, whatever, whatever. And we just say, we've been getting ready for you, Lord. We've been getting our heads straightened out and getting uh, greed and lust and weakness. And we've been getting that out. We've been dealing with issues that, are, uh, that need to be enhanced and promoted. We just, we, Lord, we want to host a move of God. And then it'll be over. Or not, but I think, you know, it could be that way. Uh, but remember, God was working in you and I before we got born again, before we got spirit-filled, before we got healed. He's on a track with us. And uh, you remember I, uh, Isaac, uh, Daddy Abraham sent, uh, what's his name, the servant, and said, go find, go find Isaac a wife. And everything just played out. It was just like everything was already in its position. It was like it was choreographed or a play that you would read your part. And that's what's happening to you and me. It seems so unconnected at times, and it certainly is that sometimes we get off. But, you know, we just take a lap around and come back into the place, and we don't miss it. I said, we're not missing it. It, it may seem like you're lost, but we're not missing it. And, and so he's talking to us all, whether you recognize it or not, whether you have discerned the elements of it, he's talking to you about a move of God in your generation. Every generation should have one. Uh, remember, after the World War II, there was that healing revival that went 11 years. God was introducing healing. And then the charismatic thing, he was introducing the gifts of the Spirit. And then he came in here with the Word movement. He was emphasizing that so that not every, every part of those thought they were the end, thought this is all God's going to do, like Azusa said, this is the end of that. But he was just bringing emphasis to that so that we'd have all the parts one day. Well, I don't know if he's through getting all the parts, but we hadn't had a move of God like I want. And it's my fault for me. It may be your fault for you. We can do more. You know, you can go as fast as you want. We, we might point to ourselves and say, go faster. <laughs> you know, and if we, knew, if we knew that you had 632 days, You'd be clicking them off. You'd, you'd have one of those Advent calendars stretched out, and you'd be going 631, 630, or whatever, if we knew the day. But it is just as sure that we just have so many, no matter how many we have. It is measured. It is not like, well, when the Lord sees down there that we're all doing real bad, or he looks down there and says we're all doing real good, he's going to pull the trigger. He already knows the day that he's going to pull the trigger, and the Lord Jesus is coming after us, and he's coming for us. We're going to rise up and meet him in the air, and then he's going to take us back to a wonderful place. And we're going to be there seven years while the world's going through tribulation. We will not be there, but we'll know all about it from studying it on this side. It's a terrible thing. It's a horrible thing. But I will be up there. The first thing we'll do is we'll go to the Bama seat, the judgment seat, but it's the reward seat. And we'll get loaded up. We'll bring our wheelbarrows in. I'm sure the Lord's been putting some Lowe's wheelbarrows in stock back there so we can haul them off. But there, there is no judgment there. You're not going to be like, oh, man, I, I don't want everybody to see what I did back in 72. None of us do. And we all got a show. It, and, but he's not doing that. You're going to get rewarded for what you did with the right motive. And the rest of it's just going to be burned up. 
I'm going to let him, I'm going to help light that match, you know, like this stuff over here. But if we repent of it and confess it and get it under the blood, that's not even going to be a problem. So it's just good. It's just so good in front of us. Don't let despair or anything talk you out of being happy in the Lord Jesus. And what he's saying is, you know, is get you ready, ready. Just get you ready. Don't be wooed off into this world to think, isn't this great? Well, it is. Well, didn't the Lord do this? He did. But he never intended us to draw from that and be dependent on that. You know all the stars, and there's a, there's a billion billion times ten billion or whatever. The Word says about it. There's lots of stars. And you know the only purpose of the star? You know the only reason to have these stars. And there's people giving their whole lives to study it. And this one's over here, and this one's over there and everything. The only purpose for the star, according to the Word of God, is so you and I could look up and see the majesty of God. You go, that's a little overboard. I'm just telling you, our Lord is overboard. All of those. And you're not here for your pet. Your pet is here for you. Don't get that out of line. Don't quit serving God because a horse or a dog or whatever, you know, serve God. Because that is there for you. Nature. Everybody's worshiping nature. But that nature is there to minister to you. And then you and I, we minister to the Lord. And all these things help us keep our focus you know, we have our families, our marriages, our children. That just blesses us and fills us up. And then we turn to the Lord, and we are the only ones besides the angels. Then we worship Him. And then, you know, we're going to even judge the angels. So it's all about you and me. We seem so in, unimportant. We seem so trivial, so, so common. And we are each just as precious as each one of your children is. We, we, we never have too many children to say, oh, they're not much special. There's just so many of them. You've seen one kid, you've seen them all. No. And so that's the way it is for us. We've been looking at cultures, and culture is the way that people see things and do things. It's the way we as a church even see things. And, you know, I lead that somewhat. But we all draw together and say, this is the way I see it. And then we go to the Word, and we adjust, and we fine-tune, and we clip off and add to whatever we have so that we can develop a culture of faith. That's, that's who we are, is a culture of faith. Not every church is, is it? They're, not, they, they're worshiping Jesus, but their culture is not faith. It could be they're a worship center, and that's what they want to do, and they believe they're called to that. A part of that is, is the Lord has a whole bunch of things so he can get everything done. He raises up so-called camps, not really, but raises up people and says, I want you to be in charge of serving, and I want you to be in charge of faith and this, that, and the other. So we're going to do our job and just not criticize them. Maybe they're doing their job. The Word even says don't criticize another man's servant. So let the Lord judge that. We'll just, we'll just be doing our job, and we know what our job is. Our job is to believe God. It's, it, we're a faith church. We're a revival church. We're a righteousness church. We're a healing church. And I believe we're called to pray. I don't know exactly how that is, but there's, there is that. When the Lord gave me three words, and I didn't know what they meant. It, it was uh, about uh, our revival culture. But he said, I want you to be stalwart, resilient, and fierce. None of those are Bible words, although there's other words that describe them. Stalwart, resilient, and fierce. Well, that's quite a 
chunk. You know, if you just said be kind and be sweet and be patient, you know, you go, well, okay, we can do that. But stalwart, unmovable, resilient. When the man falls down, his friend picks him up. And then fierce, we're unmovable. We just, we're, we were here, we are here, and we will be here in the sense of the Lord Jesus. So it's powerful to get a conviction for a continual removal, uh, move of God. It's powerful. The Lord can choose us if we have chosen things that he hadn't come down in a voice and come through the wall or wrote it on the, you know, we just, we just have this thing inside that says, that's me. We identify, that's me, that's, that's us. And we, we stay in our place even though there's no confirmation or, you know, star coming out of the sky. We just know. Just like you know where in your family, you know what to do. You know where to work. You know what the rules in the house are. You know we don't drink out of the milk carton. I mean, we just have rules. Well, maybe y'all do drink out of the milk carton. <laughs> but yeah, a lot of families do, so yay for that. So we've been looking at... Uh, Revival cultures, and here's some elements. Got to go real fast. We said it was a spiritual family. Number two, that God is only surprising us with his goodness. There's no surprises about trouble. We know that it's a life rich in hope and faith. We know that we, we, uh, we are a culture of a generous mindset in order to believe God big. Now, let me tell you all, I got this, but uh, a spirit of faith, and it's going to require some of you, if not all of us, to have at least some degree of the spirit of faith. Second Corinthians 4.13 says, uh, they believed and they spoke, and we believe also and we speak. It's going to take you, here's the word that I got back in 1996. I just got through teaching promotion that comes from the Lord to my church in West Texas. And he gave me that scripture in Matthew 25. And he said, where it says in verse 22, uh, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. That word faithful, I found it in one text, one commentary, and I've never seen it since. But it said easily persuaded to believe. How many of y'all are on track to be easily persuaded? We're not, we're not, the bucking and the button and the, and the resisting is gone out of us. We're just like, Lord, use me. Here am I. That's, that's, we don't know what that even means, but we're saying, okay, we're signing the check and letting the Lord fill in the amount or the, the call. Easily persuaded to believe will, will move you into a spirit of faith. And you'll be involved with things that you've never been able to. Ephesians 3.20, it's exceeding abundantly above. You never dreamed little old you and little old me would ever even get to see the things that we're going to be conducting and doing and, and uh, administrating. It's so far out there, he can't even show us right now. Because we, we'd, we'd lose it. We would, we would unhook and say, ah, that can't be right. So he just shows us uh, little by little, here a little, there a little. Amen? So we're all getting more. And you ought to make progress. You ought to get more all the time. You ought, to, you ought to open the curtain a little wider every time and see what's behind it. Because the Lord's got amazing things. And I see where, where he uses humble people. People that are not cast off and not cast down. 
But we don't have any reason to boast or gloat or, or be proud or anything like that. We, we're just, not only are we all regular folks, if I, I don't mean to demean by that, but I just mean we've all been humbled. We've all gone through life and said, I'm going to have to depend on the Lord. I, I shall be calling on the Lord. And uh, he's chosen us. Uh, not because we were special, but because that scripture in Matthew chapter 22, verse 14. Many are called, but few are chosen. Everybody's called. But when you answer the call, then you're chosen. Most people don't even know they're called. It's like, I'd have raised my hand, but I didn't hear anything. Well, we heard and we're raising our hands, so to speak, by saying yes to him. Is that right? We are. We're all we're in different stages or levels or whatever, trying to figure it out. But we're all saying, I'm still in. We're all saying, I want to go to the end of this. I've got enough invested and I believe I've heard and seen enough to know this thing's going to be worth the ride. I'm staying in to see. I'm just nosy enough to say I'm going to hang on. So that's who we are. And um, I, tonight I want to talk just for a minute about a personal, excuse me, a revival culture that's called your personal uh, identification. Because I've been examining. I'm, I'm looking at the whole New Testament and saying, what is a revival culture? I stepped into this thing, like I often do, and just said, well, I know two things that are revival culture. And then I taught those, and it's like, now what? <laughs> it's like, what's next? I'm not getting this from a text or a book or, a, you know, whatever. I... So uh, I realized, uh, I talked to Pastor West about it the other day, and I said, well, it's, I think it's this. And he said, well, if it's this, then why this and why that? And I said, oh, yeah, that's not it. <laughs> but I, I realized that uh, a revival culture is going to require you and I, listen, to know who you are in Christ Jesus. You cannot just be, Lord, I'm for you. Isn't the Lord good? My God reigns. Great is our God. Uh, nothing's impossible to him. Oh, that's all great. But even the devils believe and tremble. It's not that we don't know who he is. It's that we don't often know who we are. And therein is the rub for revival. And so uh, uh, the Bible tells us who God is. He's great and greatly to be praised. It tells what he can do, what he has, his glory, his majesty, and we ought to know that. We ought to know that. But when we go to find out who we are, we listen to religion often. We listen to men, and men will tell you what you can't do. And they'll say, they'll point to Romans 3 or 5, where is it, 3, and it, where all have sinned. Hadn't fallen short of the glory of God. That's, that's where they want to, you know, worm and, and, and super worm. The best you can be is a super worm. You know, you're somebody special. But we can't let men tell us who we are. And we say this, you may have done what they said, but you're not who they say. Yeah, we've all sinned. We've all messed up. But that doesn't make me that. And it doesn't uh, identify me. So Psalm 8, and we're going to go there. I, I, gotta, I don't know if we can go there or not. No, we can't. 
But uh, let me just read it to you in the New Living, because I, I don't want to keep you all night. The, the, today's English says, what is man? Y'all remember this verse. What is man that you think of him, mere man that you care for him? Yet, now here it is. Here's what the B-I-B-L-E says. Yet you made him inferior only to yourself. You know, the King James says a little lower than the angels. You crowned him with glory and honor. You appointed him ruler over everything you made. Look, look, you placed him over all your creation. Wow, that's, you, you're a big dog if you come, come into that. There's nothing little about God puts you over his creation. So that's who we are. And if you want to have revival, you've got to know who you are in Christ Jesus. You have to know, not just in a passing uh, a whim that says, yeah, yeah, I know. That when the vice comes in, when the crunch is there, the fire is about you, when everybody's deserting you, you are just stalwart, resilient, and fierce. I know who I am in him. And you don't flinch. Now, that's what we're talking about. People like that can bring a revival, can host a move of God in a revival. If you know, if you just know, because then you won't, you won't run off. Well, what's happening? I thought God said to do this, so I, I did it, but look at all the trouble. Now what's going on? Well, that's what happens. And so God put God in you. God put God in me so we would think like God, that we would act like God, that we would dream like God. He had to put him in us to get him out of us. He couldn't just do a picture show over here. That's what the Old Testament is. He just showed it. He just uh, had an angel come and pronounce it, and he parted the Red Sea. He showed out, but he couldn't do it inside. But now God's in us. Christ in us, the hope of glory. And so we're something to reckon with. You don't feel like it? You're just going by your feelings. You need to turn that switch off. Yeah. The feeling switch. Hallelujah. Uh, most Christians, they did a poll they did. Uh, let me get this. Most Christians do not know what happened at the new birth. I said M-O-S-T. Most Christians do not know what happened at the new birth. What they think is they were told to do good and hope for the best. Now, you may not believe that, but that's exactly what most Christians are believing. And if you ask them, I've asked some, some Christians been in, the, in, the, in that church for 40 or 50 years. And you talk to them, and after they've had a bad week or month, and they'll say, they'll say, they'll hang their head and say, I just hope I had messed up too bad, and I can go. And it just breaks your heart that 40 or 50 years under teaching, under a, uh, and having Bibles everywhere, oh my, that that's the conclusion you would draw, like I just hope. And one denomination says that you cannot know until you are caught up or whatever they believe, that you cannot know. But First John says you can. You can know. So uh, these Christians, these so-called Christians, they believe God gave them a pass. Okay, you, you, you're a worm, and I'm going to give you a pass. But if you mess up, listen, this is how they believe. If you mess up, I'm going to revoke your pass. And they're all paralyzed. They're petrified. They're, they're, they're just out of their minds when they have a hard time and they believe they're going to miss heaven, that they're going to be lumped in with a whole bunch of people that don't even know God. And it's sad. But 2 Corinthians, you know this one in verse 5, verse 17. 
chapter 5, verse 17. Who was it that took so long before we got to the word? What was that all about? Moreover, therefore, if any man be in Christ, who are we? Who are we? He is a new creature. He is a new creation. Say, that's me. That's me. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. What is it about 1 Corinthians 5 that people just skip over from 4 to 6 and don't read this, don't believe this, don't live this? They don't believe it. Okay, yes, ma'am. We'll do that. If the Amplified says, if any person is engrafted in Christ the Messiah, he is a new creation, a new creature altogether. Previous moral and spiritual condition has passed away. So what happened at the new birth was he annihilated the old you, took you out of the way. You don't exist anymore. You are, you are, and he put him in you. And what he did is he left, it's like putting a new engine in a Chevy SS. Uh, you know, it's, it, had a, it had a 350 in it and you wanted to put a 496 in it or a whatever, a 396. And so, you, but nobody can tell because you put the hood down when you get finished and it looks the same. Well, that's who we are. He has, he has done upgraded us. But we look the same on the outside. I still like chocolate. I liked it before and I, I'm, I'm a little rabid about it now. Hallelujah. First um, John four seventeen. who are we? As he is, so are we in this world. Who are we? As he is. This is the hardest scripture on the nominal carnal Christian. They just don't want to say, I'm like Jesus. They want to put on the worm and let Jesus be something else. This word in, uh, in that scripture says that we should have boldness in the day of judgment. For as he is, so are we in this world. We looked at this Sunday, this word boldness. Ha. Yeah, I brought it back again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this word boldness, which is you and me. Who am I? Who are you? Who are you, Lisa? Who are you, Barry? Who are you, Lynn? Who are you? The word says that this boldness is a free-flowing, unrestrained boldness. This person will say everything is, that is on his mind, flowing out of his heart with confidence and no restraint. Now, we're not talking about carnal people. We're not talking about people that are just yakis. Don't know anything. They're know-it-alls. Being frank and honest, hiding nothing and speaking directly from the heart to the heart. It is speech that is not tailored to make everyone happy to speak truth, but to speak truth despite what it may cost. It is the courage to speak truth to others. Now, that's who you are. We're not ugly about it. We, we the right time and right place. We do it in love, but we do not hold back. People are going to hell. People are going to live destructive and empty and idle lives unless we tell them, here's what happened in my life. And if you don't get a hold of it, you're not going to have a life. You're going to be just living like sinners, even though someday he's going to rescue you and take you to heaven. So Matthew 22, 14 says many are called, few are chosen. You must find your place and have authority in your place. Now, that's all of us. In a move of God, everybody has a place. Is that right? I mean, you just have a place. You, you live in a different place, so a house and place, and you've got to come and be in your place. Um, you, you, now, listen. In a revival culture, 
you cannot minister and you cannot be ministered to until you know you qualify. In other words, in other words, if you think that you're condemned, that I'm just a little old worm, I'm a little, little toe on the left foot, you can't receive ministry. Now, why? I'm going to answer a question before you all ask it. Why do Christians, are they unable to get themselves healed? Why are Christians not to, able to pray effective prayers to bring supply into their lives? Why is that? It's because they don't qualify themselves to receive or give ministry. Now they're like, well, who am I? I, I don't want to lay hands on them or I don't want to ask God to, to, to fund my need because I have had sin in my life and I've got shortcomings in my life and I'm not like Brother Doodly do and none and none and none. So they don't qualify. Everyone's called, but few qualify. Few take on who they are. They put on what the world says, what man says about them. You remember that story about Gideon? He was the least in his family, and his family was in the least tribe. He was nobody from nowhere, and God exalted him. Little David, the king, he, he, was, he was nowhere to be found, and they finally went and drug him in and said, you are the man. Well, you are the man. You are the woman. You are. Do you feel like it? It has nothing to do with that. Uh, yeah, we'll just leave that alone. Hallelujah. So we have to find out. We have to find out. I am a healer. Does that, does that bother anybody? I read you that prophecy a while ago. Does that bother you that the Lord would uh, somewhat define my calling or our calling or whatever and say, I'm going to put you up here and I'm going to give you a platform and everything? Does, does that bother you? Well, then you just don't know who you are and you don't know who I am. And it did take me back. I mean, it's like, wowie. But too much is given. Yeah, much is required. So it wasn't like, oh, daisies and, and, uh, and, uh, and donuts. This, this is like, okay, he's talking to me about let's pick it up a little. Let's giddy up. It's giddy up. He wasn't just like, I'm going to put you up there. It's like, you're going to have to climb that staircase. You're going to have to get behind that pulpit. You're going to have to. So it was a giddy up. Well, he's saying giddy up to us. Giddy up. Hallelujah. So healing is done. The supply is already done. God already thinks from heaven that you are absolutely healed. He, he got God, when are you going to do something? He thinks that he did it when Jesus paid the price. He thinks it's done. So you, you have a hard time motivating him to do more when he sent Jesus to the cross and he spilt his blood for all of us. So we say this, and you know it, that God's a better giver than we are receivers. And if you don't get to be a better receiver, you won't be able to hold or release a revival culture. You'll just be in the way. I hate to say that, but you'll just be like everybody else. Even though you were in the church and you sang and you heard and you knew and you read and all the videos and everything. But if you can't say, I am the man, step back. I shall lay hands on this sick one and we'll raise him up. You, boldly. Like, well, how do you know? Because we know. We've worked on it. We've worked stuff out and we've worked stuff in. Because there's stuff that got put in when we were raised up. We were in a culture of unbelief. If, unless you weren't, you were raised in a culture of unbelief. 
That was the way you saw and did things. Well, now the Lord's saying, you know, that culture's not going to bring a host. It's not going to bring a move of God. You can see that. I can certainly see that. That that culture. That that. Oh, COVID. I'm paralyzed. I can't get out. I'm afraid. I'm just ah. Well, you know, it may be bad, but we're not paralyzed. We dominate. And you better continue to dominate whatever's going on. Because this might not even be the last thing, and it might not even be the worst thing. But in all things, we dominate. We always, he always causes us triumph. So you, you just well get on your big britches and uh, pull it together and say... I got to get ready for the long haul. I can't just squeak by this little bad time because there's bad times coming. But the good news is we win, and then he takes us out and lets them slug it out down here. Well, you got to believe the word. To qualify, many are called, few are chosen. You got to believe the word, the word, the word, the word, when your feelings are lying, lying, lying. And they will. They're lying right now. They're telling all of us, I could never be a, 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 an elder, or I could never, certainly not a prophet. Certainly, all the things that we put like on somebody else, but those somebody else's, listen, are just exactly like you and me. You go, no, they're special, and they're, that's Oral Roberts, and that's Billy Graham. No, they, they were nobodies from nowhere. And every one of them, Kenneth Copeland, Brother Hagin, humbled themselves under the mighty hand of God and just said, I'm special in him. I'm not special to anybody else, but I'm special in him. And they took the devil on. They took the curse on. They took sin on. They took unbelief on. They took mocking on. They just stood. And having done all the stand, they just kept on standing. That's what you and I are going to have to do at some level. <clears throat> but it's okay because we're equipped. We got the weapons of our warfare. They're not carnal, but they're mighty through God, the pulling down of all the junk mess that's out there. No problema. Greater is he. Well, equal is he than he that is in the world. No, it's greater. And, you know, and when God uses greater, he's not just talking about, ah, we barely, it was a photo finish. No, there's no photo finishes. Never believe the devil almost won, that it was a struggle. It was never a struggle. And it's not a struggle for us. Well, I got all these scriptures. I don't have time to read any of them. But I will tell you this just before I skip by there. Uh, James chapter 5. Let's see if I've got that one. Is any sick among you? Now we're talking about qualifying here. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. Now, all together, raise your hand with me, Pamela, and say, that's me. You think, no, that's somebody. No, that's you. You are the somebody. Because to whom much is given, much is required. And you've been sitting under this word. You've been paying the price. You've been having done all to stand. You've just kept standing. And you are the elders that are going to pray the prayer of faith that saves the sick. Well, I heard one little amen. Hallelujah. Uh, we'll talk about these others maybe Sunday or some other time. But we got to know who we are. Don't you want to know who you are? You know, you, you, it's interesting how people that are orphaned or adopted out or, or whatever, when they get later in life, adults, many times they get curious about who they are. Well, I want to go find my daddy. And, you know, he ran off when I was one, and I never knew him. I want to find him. Well, why? 
He left you and he hadn't been back. Well, it's just in me. And there's a lot of heartbreaks about those people that go looking for that. And they find out that uh, not only did he or she think you weren't special back then, they don't think you're special now. now. I'm not saying that's always it, of course, but get your identity in the Lord Jesus. We've been refathered from above. And uh, if he finds you, well, glory to God. If she looks you up, glory to God. But your identity is not in these carnal things that many times, and I don't know why I'm talking about this, but we'll just say it. Many times they distract the saints because they're looking for a dual citizenship. They're looking for a soul completion. Jesus is our soul completion. Now, you know, if you're doing something, I'm not trying to come against it, but I'm just saying let's emphasize what's emphasizable and leave that other alone. Um, I'll say this and then we'll go. Didn't I just say that? <laughs> Whenever you're facing a challenge for the supernatural, ask yourself this. Who am I right now? Say right now. Right. Who am I right now? That's what you got. When you're facing a financial, a, a, uh, a healing thing, a health thing, or, or whatever, relationships, or stop, stop, and say, who am I right now? Not who do I want to be, not who was I, or not how I, I, someday, who am I right now? And just quote the scripture, just say, well, greater is he that is in me than he's in the world right now. Well, who are you? I've been in Christed. I'm a new creation. Old things, the old me, my past passed away. Um, he always causes me to triumph. I'm a victorious one. And you stop and you ask yourself, who are you? And then you, stop, then you go to number two. You say, what can I do right now? Based on who I am, what can I do? <laughs> I can cast out devils. You got any? I can cast out cancer. I can, I can heal cancer. Can you? Of course you can. I can speak to the mountain and say to the mountain, be thou removed, and it'll move, whatever that mountain is. And then the last thing you say, what do I have? What do I have right now? I got seed to sow. I got bread to eat. I have an anointing from the Holy One, and I know all things. On and on and on. It's going to be required for us to have that in a revival culture. Not everybody will, but some of us will. Whatever comes out of the wash is what we'll wear. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 I just bless you that revelation will get in you like popcorn in the pan, and you'll just start pinging tonight saying, wow, I, I know who I am, and concentrate on that. Wouldn't you hate to be always reading the Old Testament? Wouldn't you hate to spend all your study time and all somebody preached was in the Old Testament? Yakety, yakety, yakety. Those people didn't have an identity. They were servants. They were unclean. They were unrighteous. They were, they were uh, uh, note takers. In other words, they, the priest had to come in before the note was due every year and pay the interest and, and push it back one year. They were always in bondage and always in debt. But here we are, whom the sun sets free is free indeed. So get out of that Old Testament except just to reference things and just to get the historical aspect. And everything you need to know is in the New Testament. 
And everything you really need to know is in the epistles. The gospels tell you that God, that Jesus, God loves you. Jesus said God loves you. That's the whole thing of the gospels. You, God's in love with you. And he wants to do something about that love. And the epistles tell you what he did. He saved us to the uttermost. Yay, yay. All right. Well, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. The supernatural is all over you. There are testimonies that are just like, i got to sleep tonight. I cannot stay up all night casting out devils and healing the sick. i got to go to sleep tonight. <laughs> ah, that's who we are. That's who we are. Amen. Well, we're going to receive our midweek tithes and offerings. I thought I could run a lot longer than this, but very...